Daredevil bike riders are off to a fast start in the Daytona 200 for the American Motorcycle Association's national title. It's the country's richest, longest, fastest cycle race. Welcome back to Napalm Nanny in the Shack. I am your host, the one, the only Napalm Nanny. And I know I've covered motorcycle outlaws in previous episodes. Just don't ask me which ones because I sure as hell don't remember. But I'd like to bring to light a few motorcycle outlaws that you may have not known or heard about. But before I do that, if you haven't yet, find me on Instagram under Napalm Nanny in the Shack. And if you feel like buying me a cup of coffee, my Venmo is Windex Burns My Eyes. And as usual, if it's within your means and if you feel like doing so, now on to the show. When people think of Pancho Villa, most think of the revolutionary as a stoic man who sat atop his horse with bandoliers adorning his chest. But that is only a fraction of who he was. The man loved motorcycles and actually used the two-wheeled mechanical beast in his raids during the Mexican Revolution. There have been eyewitness accounts that verify Villa using Indian Power Plus motorcycles to attack Torreon, which he captured successfully in 1914. But he wasn't the the only one to use motorcycles in battle. In 1916, Villa attacked the U.S. city of Columbus, New Mexico, bringing the United States military into the conflict. This is where President Wilson sent General Blackjack Perishing down to Mexico with orders to capture Villa. So Perishing took 5,000 men, trucks, planes, and motorcycles to aid in finding Villa. And this was the first time that motorcycles had been used in an armed conflict by the U.S. military, and it was Harley Davidson that provided them. So Harley supplied a number of J models 
which were powered by F-head engines and capable of speeds of up to 60 miles per hour. And a combination of solo motorcycles and sidecar models were ordered by the military. And the sidecar models were additionally equipped with machine guns, making them into mobile gun platforms for the fast attack missions. And the US military was pleased with the performance of the motorcycles, which played an important part in recommending them for service during World War I. And with all that being said, here's this week's playlist. Enjoy!
Before I get into the next outlaw, I just want to say, when you're on the road, watch out for bikers. Share the goddamn road, don't be an asshole, and be aware of your surroundings. So, Bessie Stringfield was the ultimate outlaw. She rode her Harley Davidson across the United States on her own terms despite the dangers of the Jim Crow era. This badass African-American woman got her first motorcycle, a 1928 Indian Scout, while she was still in her teens and taught herself how to ride it. As chronicled in the 1993 book, Hear Me Roar, Women, Motorcycles, and the Rapture of the Road by Stringfield's protege and eventual biographer Anne Farrar, at the age of 19, young Stringfield flipped a penny onto a map of the US, then ventured out on her bike alone. And interstate highways didn't exist at the time, but the rough, unpaved roads didn't deter her. In 1930, she became the first black woman to ride a motorcycle in every one of the connected 48 states, a solo cross-country ride she undertook eight times during her lifetime. But that not even satisfied her wanderlust. Eventually, she went abroad to Haiti, Brazil, and parts of Europe. So the rising American motorcycle culture wasn't inclusive either. The American Motorcycle Association, which was founded in 1924, only started allowing black members in the 1950s, and even then, most of them were male. But by the start of World War II, Stringfield became an asset to the United States government as a civilian motorcycle dispatcher, the only woman in her unit. With a military crest attached to her blue Harley Davidson knucklehead, she carried documents between domestic U.S. bases, Later, in the 1950s, Stringfield settled in Miami, bought a house, and became a nurse. And in her early days in Florida, she clashed with the local police. As Stringfield recalled in a 1996 issue of American Motorcyclist, when she tried to obtain her motorcycle license, the police made it clear that they were not about to let a black woman ride a motorcycle around their city. Determined, Stringfield demanded a meeting with her captain, a white motorcycle cop in the black precinct. He took her to a nearby park and ordered her to perform several difficult motorcycle tricks. Of course, she nailed them with ease. From that day on, I didn't have any trouble from the police, and I got my license too, she said. And with all that being said, here's the rest of the playlist. Enjoy!
when you get a good idea and you need someone to tell it to, just scratch your head and roll your eyes and simply say, Let's try it one more time.
So that's it for me this week, folks. And I know I say this every episode, but I am so grateful to have you guys on this ride with me. We've made the shack our home in this strange corner of the internet, and I am so humbled and honored. So thank you to everyone who shares, messages, posts on their social media. It really means the world to me. So till next week, I am your host, the one, the only Napalm Nanny. Stay safe out there, guys.